This weekend, we'll be celebrating a wonderful holiday, namely Thanksgiving. Uh, This is the time of year when we take a moment to return thanks, to count our blessings, to rejoice at the goodness of God and his provision for our lives, both physically and also spiritually. It can be a very enriching time, but I do want to ask a question here uh, right at the outset. I'm wondering if anyone is struggling today with what I believe is actually a very common condition, namely a lack of thankfulness. Do you ever wrestle with that? Are you having a hard time generating a thankful spirit in your heart? Maybe you understand that you should be thankful, but for some reason you you just can't get there. There may be a lot of uh, emotions going on, maybe fear, anger, anxiety, boredom. Maybe there's just an overall weariness that has settled in. I mean, with this pandemic, just going to buy groceries is not as simple as it used to be. That can, that can make us feel weary and hard to be thankful. Sometimes I think we're hesitant or just a little gun-shy to be thankful because maybe we have offered our thankfulness at one time and realized uh, maybe we shouldn't have done that or thankfulness wasn't as warranted as we thought. Uh, There's a story of a volunteer fire department that was working in a small rural area in Indiana. A fire erupted in some uh, grassy area Uh, near to a farm, and so they called the local fire department, and they ran out to try to deal with the fire, but very quickly, the blaze uh, became out of control, and they knew they needed help. So they started casting around for who they could call uh, to help them. There was a volunteer fire department not too far away, but people didn't think they would really be much help, but they were kind of desperate, so they put the call out anyway. Sure enough, the volunteer fire department arrived in this dilapidated old fire truck. And people pretty much expected them to set up on the edge of the fire and maybe throw some water on it at a distance and probably not be that much help. But much to their surprise, this fire truck showed up, drove straight to the center of the fire and stopped right in the middle of it. All the volunteer firefighters jumped out of the truck and started spraying water in all the different directions. Pretty soon they had the fire put out at the center, effectively dividing the fire into two manageable pieces, and eventually they were able to get the fire out. Well, the farmer was so thankful at uh, the actions of this uh, volunteer fire brigade that he found the captain a little bit later and gave him a gift of $1,000 as he was expressing his thankfulness. A news reporter caught up with that captain a little bit later and asked him what he intended to do with the money. And the fire captain replied, well, you know, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to get the brakes fixed on this fire truck. So, yeah, maybe we're hesitant to express thanks because we feel a bit jaded or we're not sure that thanks are really in order. But maybe the most common reason that we don't offer thanks or feel thankful is because we are personally in a moment of difficulty or despair. Our thankfulness is just lost in a sea of worry and concern. Maybe there's a great sorrow 
that uh, is hanging around us. Maybe uh, anger has consumed us for some reason in our life, and it just hangs over us like a cloud. And we can't feel any sense of thankfulness at all in the midst of that. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe you're feeling like that right now. And I think it's a problem for many people. And it's a problem because although our lack of thankfulness may be understandable, it's just a miserable way to live if it persists for very long. And not only is the unthankful person miserable, but they make everybody around them miserable as well. Have you ever been around someone who seems to be grumpy all the time and just not thankful for anything? Pretty soon, you're feeling pretty miserable and unthankful as well. It's not fun. But maybe the most important reason to uh, be concerned about living with an unthankful spirit is because to do so ignores one of the most frequent commands in Scripture, namely, to be thankful. God commands us to live with a thankful heart. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful, Paul says in his letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, verse 15. And this isn't to be just a small part of our lives, but it should be a major part of our character. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live with him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And this attitude of thankfulness shouldn't just be an occasional thing, but it should be a constant in our life. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 and 18. So you get the idea. There's a clear directive here. God wants us to be thankful. But how do you live that? How do you maintain a spirit of thankfulness, especially when life is painful or difficult? That's the question that I want to address this morning. What do we do when we know that we need to renew our spirit of thankfulness, but we just can't seem to get there? I want to take us to Psalm 3 this morning, and I'll ask you to turn there uh, if you can. I want to go there because in this Psalm of David, which was written at a very difficult time in his life, I think we can understand and see a way that we can attack this problem. This is a moment in David's life when anyone could understand David saying, I just cannot be thankful right now. But nevertheless, in this psalm, I think David gives us evidence of a thankful spirit. He doesn't actually use the word thanks specifically, but I do think David shows us a pathway to thankfulness, a way to get there. And so for that reason, I think it's a good psalm for us to be looking at today. So Psalm 3, and the psalm begins this way. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? 
Let me just say at the outset, I am not here to sugarcoat anything. Thankfulness can be a really tough place to get to. And this psalm is no exception. It's a good example of that. Let's understand the circumstances of what's going on here as David writes this. This is a psalm of King David, arguably the greatest king aside from Jesus that the people of God have ever known. And yet as he writes this psalm, David is fleeing for his life. This is a really low moment for him. His kingdom is in turmoil. His family life has been torn apart by his sin with Bathsheba. You'll recall the story where he lusts after a married woman, ensures that her husband is killed, and then he has a son with her who dies as part of the judgment of God. His kingship is at risk. None other than his very own son, Absalom, has schemed and planned to overthrow him. Absalom has won the favor of the people, and now he seeks after the crown. And so David runs, he flees his home, and hides out across the Jordan. This is where we find David in this psalm. And this is a very low moment in his life. You can catch some of his desperation in this first verse. His spirit is being crushed by what seems to be overwhelming opposition. His enemies are multiplying as Absalom wins the hearts of the people more and more. And this is one of the causes of a crushed spirit. This feeling of being overwhelmed or of facing something that we simply cannot overcome. That thing could be people, as it was in David's case as he faced his enemies. It could be a challenge before us that seems impossible to overcome. Maybe a sickness or a job loss or something like that. Or it may just be a whole series of life circumstances that come together and make it seem as if we just don't know which way to turn. I distinctly remember feeling this uh, when I first became a Christian. Uh, I was attending the University of Manitoba, and I came to know Christ through the ministry of uh, what was then known as Campus Crusade, but which is now uh, called Power to Change. And I remember being excited at the decision that I had made, but also, in addition to that, feeling quite disoriented and unsure of which way to go. I had this sense that God wanted me to do something with my life, but I had no way of figuring out what that was. And so, quite frankly, it became quite a despairing time for me. I was really not sure which way to turn. It all seemed so overwhelming and, and to the point where I couldn't concentrate on my studies. I ended up leaving university because I just I couldn't function. Sometimes life is like that. We feel so overwhelmed by the things around us. Our spirit is crushed and we cannot feel any sense of thankfulness at all. The other thing we want to mention here right at the, at the front end is that sometimes those things that overwhelm us or crush us aren't just physical threats against us, but they can be personal or spiritual as well. Let's read verse 2 of the psalm. Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. And we want to remember as we start out here that David is not facing 
a foreign army. He is facing his own people that are trying to seize the crown from him. And even worse than that, his very own son wants to kill him and take his rule. I think we want to wrap our minds around that just a little bit. His own flesh and blood wants to replace him and eliminate him. What should be a loving relationship is instead a source of great pain. And if that's not bad enough, David's enemies really know how to twist the knife when it comes to David. In verse 2, they suggest that David has been abandoned by God himself. God will not deliver him, they say. And for David, this perhaps was the deepest cut of all. David would have lived his life completely for God and with God. And now the suggestion that God would not have anything to do with him must have been devastating. And there may have been a part of David that thought that maybe what they were saying was true. By this time, David is an adulterer. He's a murderer, and he might very well have thought to himself, you know what, God's done with me. I have gone too far. It's over for me. I am abandoned, and I am without hope. I think many in our day struggle with precisely this kind of feeling and this kind of experience. In their perspective, for whatever reason, they think God has basically packed his things and left. He has abandoned them, and they are without hope. And I think David would have very much been in danger of thinking this way, but he doesn't go there. This is what we need to notice. So let's keep reading. Verse 3. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. Here we're beginning to get the answer the pathway for working through this lack of thankfulness and getting to a better place. David moves through several thoughts here that can help us do that. The first thing that he remembers is that he sits under the protection of the divine king. His kingship is in doubt, but David knows that the divine ruler, that is God himself, has chosen him to be king not his son. And he knows that God will protect him. He uses this image of a shield, which communicates God's protection and his favor. Back in uh, the book of Genesis, there's a story of Abram, who is well on in years, and he is fearful that he will have no descendants that will come after him. And God appears to him in a dream. This is in Genesis chapter 15. And he tells him that his descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And when he appears in that vision, it's interesting the way God communicates this. He says to Abram, do not be afraid. I am your shield and your very great reward. God will give his protection he will give his favor. He promises it to Abram. He promises it to David. And God can do all of those things for us as well. Do you believe that? God's protection is there for us. And yes, sometimes he calls us to weather the storm. But even as he does that, God can give us a way to persevere and see our way through it. 
Well, there is more. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. David gets a little bit more personal here now in this verse. Really, he's been personal all along, but here it's most clear. His cry is vocal, underlying the depth of his agony. And David cries out in his pain and his despair. And God's response is to hear his cry and to answer. What David is reminding himself of here is that he has an intimate, personal relationship with God. God is more than just his master. He's his father. He's the one who who knows him, who sees him, hears him, and loves him. And this, this reference to a holy mountain or hill, depending on your translation, is significant as well. Because it reminds David that he is the proper recipient of God's blessing. In Scripture, when there's a reference to a hill or a mountain, it's often in the context of God revealing himself or making a declaration of some kind. Think of uh, Mount Sinai when Moses received the Ten Commandments. David is reminding himself here that even though Absalom wants the throne, God has spoken. David is the anointed king by God's command. And so David knows that God will come to his aid because he is the chosen one of God. We can all have that confidence when we remember that our Heavenly Father longs to bless us and come to our aid because he has chosen us. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter describes those who, uh, of us who have placed our faith in God. And he calls us a royal priesthood, a holy nation, as those who belong to the people who declare God's praises. But the first thing he says is that we are a chosen people. Before we have chosen him, God has chosen us. And just like David, when we cry out to God in pain and despair, our spirit of thankfulness can be renewed when we remember that God has chosen us and he will come to our aid. But David is not done there yet. He keeps going. Verses 5 and 6. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Verse 5 is remarkable to me in the attitude that David communicates. Most commentators focus on, you know, this inner quietness that he feels, this inner peace that allows him uh, to sleep. And uh, that is a great comfort and uh, not something to be minimized. There is this sense of peace that we can know when we remember that God cares for us. But the remarkable thing for David, I think, is not just that he was able to sleep, but that he woke up again. Remember, this is a man who is on the run. Like, he he fears for his life. And for him, just being able to see another sunrise is cause for rejoicing. And when he sees that sunrise, he recognizes that God has watched over him yet again. And then as if to reinforce that in verse 6, 
we see David now moving to a new attitude. He may have felt overwhelmed in verse 1, but by the time he gets to verse 6, boy, he's ready to take on whatever comes, even if it's tens of thousands. He has reflected on his relationship with God and his place in God's plan, and now David is ready to go to battle. And I would suggest to you he can have this confidence because he has reminded himself how much more powerful than any enemy uh, God is, but also the way in which God blesses so faithfully and so completely. I'm going to suggest today that crucial to our ability to maintain and renew our spirit of thankfulness is to notice the ways in which God has blessed. That blessing is usually most evident in the larger events and in the bigger circumstances of life. But sometimes it's the smallest things that speak to us the loudest. The little things that remind us of God's care and concern for us. I've personally often found it very helpful to regularly remind myself of how much I have to be thankful for. And often that thankfulness comes when I stop to consider and notice all of God's blessing that I, I come to take for granted. You know, if, you're, uh, happen, to, if you happen to be watching the sermon online and you're, you're part of our live chat uh, on Sunday morning, you may want to take a minute and, and list something in the chat there, something that you're thankful for, maybe even a little thing that reminds you of God's goodness. We need to train ourselves to notice God's blessings and not forget to do that. Well, let me draw out one last observation, and that's from the last couple of verses in this psalm. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. David now applies this newfound attitude that he has rediscovered. He has become thankful again. And here in these verses, it's not by looking backward to what has happened, but now he is looking forward and giving thanks for what he sees God doing in the future. He calls upon God to arise and to save him. And whereas when he started, he doubted God's caring love for him and maybe despaired. Now he looks forward to victory and the conquest of his enemies. Now there's a lot of uh, subtle and interesting plays on words in Scripture, and, and we see one here kind of to highlight the difference between the two opposing forces here in David's life, his enemies and God. We see a contrast here in verse 1, David says his enemies are arising against him. But in these verses, David asks God to arise and to come to save him. And so he's contrasting the power of his enemies who are arising with God who will arise, and he is affirming that God is the powerful one who will give him victory. This idea is reinforced by the destruction of those enemies uh, there's a reference to the jaw being struck. Again, that's sort of a, a, a symbol of humiliation, the way the enemies will be defeated. There's this reference to uh, teeth 
uh, being uh, broken. Uh, the way you would, we would understand that is to think of a wild animal. Wild animals that are hunting and killing, they need sharp teeth in order to do what they could do. And if they lose their teeth, they're pretty powerless. And that's kind of what David is saying here. His enemies will become toothless. They will have no power at all when they come up against the power of God who fights for David. And so David makes this shift. And in the last few verses, it's, it's instructive that he's not only thankful for what God will do to him, but he anticipates what God will do for the people all around him. He asks that through his victory, blessing would come to God's people. He anticipates a time when God would remove these enemies and restore peace to the nation. And so the shepherd heart of David shines through in this final verse, and he comes to this powerful perspective through prayer and thankfulness. So David's come a long way in the space of these eight verses. He's gone from absolutely dejection, feeling dejected, to a conquering confidence. And he's done it by looking at his world through the prism of thankfulness. I want to invite us all to take that journey today. This is the challenge for us this morning on this Thanksgiving Day, that we would have the same perspective and attitude that David has in this psalm. So let me encourage you to be a thankful people by looking beyond yourself and towards God and what he has done for you. And the key to doing this is to be thankful in the way David was, thankful to God. If we follow the, the process that David walks through in Psalm 3, th these are the kinds of things that we would do. First of all, we bring our life situation to God. We are real with him. We cry out to him the way David did. Pour out your heart to him. Tell him your troubles and hold nothing back. God knows and is faithful to listen. Then, prayerfully remind yourself of the way God sees you. If you are one who has trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, then you know that you are secure in him. He has chosen you. He holds you close and he will not let you go. Give him thanks for this and say with the writer of Hebrews chapter 13 verse 6, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? If you do not know God through Jesus yet, then perhaps this is the moment you say yes to God's choice and give yourself to him. Perhaps this is the moment that you accept the love and forgiveness Jesus offers. Maybe this is the day you receive the mercy that he died on the cross to provide for you. Come to God in prayer, declare your sin before him, and ask for his forgiveness. You know, I heard it said recently that no matter how many steps you may have taken away from God, you only need to take one step back. Enter into a life of faith by asking Jesus into your heart. Thank him for taking you to be one of his chosen. You can do that right where you are, for God is faithful to hear your prayer. The next thing then that David did was to recall the way God had blessed him by allowing him to see a new day. We can do that too. And we can go further. 
List in your mind the countless ways, both big and small, that God has acted on your behalf. Remember his goodness to you and the promise of his future grace in your life. And then finally, with a thankful song in your heart, rise up and take on the challenges that God has allowed in your life. Meet those challenges head on and claim victory over them in the strength and the promise of the Lord. And then watch God's blessing in your life spill over to other people as he answers your call. And remember to give thanks. Go forth from this moment and be thankful. Would you pray with me? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. But then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.